In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Afternoon Podcast for a Georgia Bulldogs show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Yesterday was a crazy day of college football, to say the least. Crazy day, brother. Really, really crazy day. I mean, obviously the big game last night everybody's been talking about all week was Texas-Alabama, and... I don't know about you, but based off my picks during the preview show, it did not go as I anticipated. Maybe based off how <laughs> your picks went, it did go how you anticipated. But uh, yeah, man, I boy, Texas looked ready for prime time, and Alabama did not. So I was uh, I was pretty surprised about that. Obviously, you weren't. You picked Texas to at least cover, but were you surprised about the result? I wasn't surprised that they won. I was more surprised about how they won. Milrow, clearly not ready for the bright lights. But all offseason, all we've heard about is how this revamped offensive line was going to look for Alabama. And they did not look good last night. They looked just like they did last season. Um, Milrow had very little time to throw the ball. And he was flushed a lot. Um, I know they got a true freshman left tackle, which is always tough in the SEC. But Texas's defensive line pushed them around all night long. Same thing on the offensive line. On on the the Texas's offensive line was pushing their defensive line around. They didn't get a lot of push as far as running the ball, but just enough to keep them honest. So it was. Just They were dominated in the trenches, which is not a staple of Nick Saban, but we've been saying this for a couple of years. They have not looked as dominant on the offensive and defensive lines the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I totally agree with that. We're going to go over everything today that happened this weekend. We'll recap all of week two. We're also going to start by recapping the Dogs game against Ball State. want to just take a quick minute and thank our presenting partners for this fall, uh, Classic City Collective. If you are not a member of the 21 Club already, you should make that happen. $21 a month, and you're supporting Georgia student-athletes all over the board. They're doing fantastic work. Uh, Haver Supply Company, which uh, has this outstanding Saturday in Athens lid that I'm rocking today. Uh, Make sure and head to their website. Check out all of their awesome apparel, including a lot of dogs-focused apparel. And then also Peach State Light. Unofficial beer of Georgia, but certainly the official beer of the tailgate for us. Make sure that you're popping tops on Peach State Lights all fall long. You know, great people involved with all three of those organizations. And uh, yeah, we're just so fired up to have them as our partners this year. And also, they're putting together the prizes for our weekly winners and season ending winners in the Saturday Night Athens Pick'em Challenge. Week one winner last week, Steve, got an incredible package of stuff signed. Makai Muse mini helmet. Uh, we will get to Makai Muse very shortly. Another good game this week. Uh, Haver sent out a um, cool Natty Champs visor and hoodie. 
And then Peach State Light sent out their awesome Augusta Green hat. So, yeah, man, if y'all aren't in the league, y'all should have hopped in. It's going to be awesome prizes all season long. Uh, and, yeah, lo love having our partners on board this fall. So, speaking of Makai Muse, brother, let's talk about him right off the jump. Another sluggish first quarter or what felt like a sluggish first quarter for the dogs. And then like he was shot out of a cannon, Makai Muse flipped the game around uh, with his punt return and kind of got the dogs rolling uh, to a 31-point second quarter. For me, and I'm curious about for you, he has been the story of the 2023 season for the dogs thus far, no? He definitely has. And... I'm not sure if anyone remembers, but from the, our season preview episode, I said he has a good shot to take one to the house. I didn't think it was going to quite happen so early in the season, but he's definitely just completely changed our return game. Kenny was definitely good on kickoff returns last year, but I don't think we ever felt like every time there was a kickoff return um, or even punt returns with Karras back there that they had a chance to take it. Anytime Muse touches the ball, I feel like there's a chance he could take it to the house. It's been since McColl, I feel like, that... We felt this way. But I want to go back to something you said. I don't feel like the first quarter was quite as sluggish as you think. Go back to the opening drive. I think it was a 9 or 10 play drive. Ended with a chip shot field goal missed by yeah. uh, by Peyton. That was a good drive. Um, didn't end in yeah. points, but that was still yeah. a very productive drive. The dogs looked good on that drive. Stalled in the red zone, which is never good. Um, the result wasn't good, but it was still a they looked crisp on that opening drive. Second drive looked bad. It looked out of sync, all the sorts. And then, like you said, punt return sparked the 31-point second quarter. But I don't really think they looked quite as out of sync in the first quarter as they did last week against um, UT Martin. So I think the first quarter was better this week. But um, Muse has definitely been the story so far. I love that you sent me his nickname, uh, what Mike Bobo called him. I'll let you <laughs> say that. But he's definitely a spark. Um Really excited to see how he evolves once we get into league play. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up about the first quarter. That is a good point. I think we obviously feel differently about that if that first drive ends in even the field goal, right? Because you have points on the board. And I, I did think they looked a lot crisper on that first drive than, say, they looked in the first couple of drives last week. Uh, I also think that Carson looked better overall. I thought even out of the gate, he looked a lot more comfortable this week than last, which is which is great. And I think that's kind of what we expected, right? You know, as, as he gets his sea legs under him as we move through this, I think it's going to get better. And yeah, you know, Makai Muse, obviously, play of the game, I think, with the punt return, kind of got things rolling and then got the post-game interview with Alyssa Lang on SEC Network and let it out that, Mike Bobo's nickname for him is Waffle House because he is reliable and he's always open, which outstanding. So we will refer to him as Waffle House as much as possible on the show. I also think, and I posted this yesterday, is that not the easiest NIL setup on the face of the planet? Like the people at Waffle House need to call our guy Makai like right now and get him on a billboard. Like maybe, maybe do some kind of play on the hash brown orders, right? Like, you know, his defenses, he scatters, he's never smothered and he's never covered, something like that. Something I mean, you like know, that, it's yeah. cheesy, but I feel like something like that can work, right? I don't know, man. I just thought that was so cool. So I hope that something happens with that because I think the other piece about him, every time I hear him on an interview or anything like that, he just seems so gracious and so humble and like such a good heart. So boy, what an easy, easy kid to root for. And love that he is getting some shine after, uh, you know, abiding his time and, and working hard to get here. So I can't wait to see what he does as the season progresses. Um, 
I also want to talk to you about this. He didn't play again this week. And how important or how undervalued, which has highlighted his importance, is Ladd McConkey? I mean, for me, feels like he may be the most underrated player in college football. Like his importance to making the Georgia offense go and making it feel like an engine, I think has really, really been undersold over the last couple of years. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree, but I want to say that if Ladd is playing, I'm not sure we get to see Muse develop. So I want to point that out. Um, I do think Ladd is key as we go later in the season, but I also think him missing his time is going to allow Muse to develop more and more and more. I'm not so certain that we don't see Ladd next week. This injury is just kind of a nagging thing at this point. It's more of a pain tolerance, and he did practice a lot this week from what I understand. So he's definitely a key cog in the offense. But like I said, without his injury, I'm not sure we've seen this spark to the offense so far to begin this season. Yeah, that's a good point about Makai. I mean, obviously, when somebody's down, it gives somebody else an opportunity. And I'll be honest with you, man, he, he had a couple catches yesterday. I've been a little surprised, given what the narrative was in the offseason, and given what we kind of read, that Ra Ra Thomas has gotten much as much run as he's gotten. And I'm glad he has, because I think he has the ability to – add a different dynamic to the offense. So I've loved that he's been involved both weeks. I think by season's end, and you and I texted about this, but I think Dom Lovett is going to be household name all across Dog Nation. I just, I mean, if he's not already, but you know what I'm saying? I just think he's going to be one of those guys where people are watching for him each game. He's got great talent. And man, he's bigger than I thought he was going to be. I didn't remember him being as sturdy as he looks when he was at Mizzou. I mean, dude, he's, He's put together. Like, he looks like a guy that could play on Sundays to me from a build perspective. Um, also, and I, I texted you about this too. I, I can't talk anymore without talking about the throw and catch between Carson and Cash on the touchdown. I just thought that was an absolute dime from Carson, and Cash made an incredible catch. That catch was much, much more difficult than I think people give it credit for. And for a running back to make that play, it's it's we said it all during fall camp because of what Kirby was saying and reading between those lines. But uh, yeah, it's not hard to see now why Cash is getting meaningful snaps. I mean, dude, he is he's a playmaker, and uh, it's great to see that dynamic to stay on the running back room. How about Dylan Bell in that cut yesterday, brother? I can't remember which one of the announcers said it, but they said that Dylan Bell uh, has a new permanent position because man, that was one hell of a yeah. run. When he has the ball in his hands, I mean, it's just, it's magic. So I, I love the fact that they're trying to get him the ball more creative ways because they have more on the outside, but if we get him more um, end arounds, get him more of those, anything to get him the ball in space, up with the ball. Yeah, man, I think they got to figure that out, right? And I think given what's going on at the running back position, I think all hands on deck, right? So if it involves Dylan getting carries and getting run that way, let's do it, man. Or if they want to, do some interesting stuff and run him out of the backfield into pass routes. I think that'd be beautiful too. Uh, yeah, man. So I was, I was fired up. I just thought, dude, that was a, that was shifty. I mean, super shifty. And I feel like that's a dynamic that isn't currently present in the backfield, give or take. I, I will say this. We talked about him last week. I thought Rob Robinson looked impressive again today. Uh, yesterday. I thought he looked smooth. He does not run and or compose himself like he is a true freshman in college. I mean, it, he looks like a natural man. He's taken to it like a fish to water. And I was watching the game with my dad yesterday, and I was like, can you believe that kid was in high school last year? <laughs> like, 
he is just built top to bottom like an absolute stud. So, yeah, man, I, I feel a lot better, I think, after this week than I did about last week. And I, obviously, we're a little biased. We both played offense in high school and we played together. And so we, I feel like we always jump to that first. But let's not bury the lead here. The defense looked, I thought, awesome yesterday. thought they looked more cohesive as a unit, forcing turnovers. They were filling space like they were supposed to. I mean, dude, these three safeties, brother, if we keep them all healthy, they are going to be an absolute problem for every opponent. I thought Tyke had another good game yesterday. Malachi is as dynamic as any defensive player in the country. And um, obviously holding our breaths a little bit about Javon's injury, but it seems based on some of the stuff that's dripped out that it's not something they feel like is serious. I hope that is the case because boy, he is such a, a big cog in that wheel. But yeah, man, I'm just excited about how they look. Did you hear who was it post game? Maybe was it Kamari that got interviewed? Is that who it was? They interviewed Kamari and he was like, Yeah, before the interception of the tip ball, like Shu had told us this is what they're gonna do. They're gonna run a stack on the, the field side, and then they're going to run double slants. And he had like literally just told us that before two minutes, and then that was the next play. They run double slants. They're both blanking their guy, tip ball, pick. Yeah, it was like Shoestradamus. He like called it out, and then it happened. And so, I don't know, man. We love Shoe, obviously, but that just got me so fired up. Um, but, I mean, what do you think? you think they look faster? I thought they looked faster. I thought they looked just locked in, kind of moving as one more yesterday than they did last week. It's amazing to me, and we talked about this in the offseason, what a healthy smile looks like and how he Ooh, changes yeah. the team. Because, man, sideline to sideline, he's fast. So we yeah. said that after the Oregon game last year because we saw it, you know, in person. And he just – he changes the dynamic of the defense. Um, the, the defense – played great yesterday the defensive line was getting pushed all over the place yesterday the only my only concern was the zone man-to-man played great but there were a lot of holes in the zone yesterday that gave me some pause they were able to find some holes underneath in the zone quite a bit um they weren't always completions but there were holes there a better quarterback might be able to make some problems there and let's not forget that play that malachi made for the interception that guy was wide open True. For like a good 10 yards. Now, Malachi made a heck of a play and climbed the ladder to get that pick. But a better pass, that's probably six. So let's not – I mean, that was a great play by Malachi, but that was not a, a good read. Or I'm not sure if it's just a busted coverage or what, but he, somebody missed an assignment there because that guy was open by 10 yards easy. Yeah, it, it's tough in some ways, right, on both sides of the ball to evaluate them so far because in a lot of ways – this has sort of been like an NFL team where they've gotten two preseason games. Because, look, let's just be honest about it. And we talked about this a bunch. The level of competition in the roster depth, it's just not apples to apples with the first two opponents. And really, roster depth-wise, it's not going to be apples to apples when they play South Carolina on Saturday. But that's more of a test. It's going to be 3:30 game on CBS. It's first conference game. I think we have talked before about the seeming animosity between Kirby and Shane Beamer. So I know Kirby will be plenty motivated to uh, to put a whipping on them. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of withholding judgment on a lot of things until we see them against an SEC opponent. So I think Saturday will answer some more questions. But I think the big aim out of this first two weeks was 
get everybody's feet underneath of them, and then most importantly, come out of these two weeks healthy. And I think relatively they are in a good spot from from that point. You know, no no injuries where somebody's been knocked out for the year or anything of that nature. So I think all that's good. Uh, don't you just think, too, there has to be – it's just human nature, some complacency when you know that you're just going to dollywop the opponent that you're playing on Saturday just by lacing them up. And that's essentially how this was, right? So, like, you know, you're not – I'm sure the adrenaline's not the same, like all those things. That will not be the case on Saturday. So I'm very interested to see how they look with the first piece of real meat in front of them. Does that make sense? No, it does. And Marler in our previous show said it best that their practice was hell because they had stuff to work on. I imagine their practice is not going to be fun this week either because of the opponent and Kirby's animosity for Beam for Shane Beamer. I really feel like it's Mullen, then Beamer, and the gap is not that far between his dislike for those two. Um, so he is going to want to win, win handedly and it be over quick. So I feel like this practice, he's going to hammer home a lot this week. And, um, I I feel sorry for the boys come Wednesday. They're good. They're going to be tired. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's talk about one more person that was added back into the folder offense. Uh, Marcus Roseby Jackson. Um, I just think his value is also very undersold. Number one. In the running game, I think he's such a big difference maker. But also, man, he's a big target, and I think he's a pretty smooth route runner. I think he gets in and out of his routes well. And he just seems to have a knack for getting open. And, yeah, man, I was just happy to have him back and in the fold. And I think moving forward, his presence will, you know, be more and more evident as they progress through the season. And let's look at the box score again, brother. I mean, it's another game where they have 10-plus receivers log and a catch, which it just, it's the norm now, which is incredible, man. And so much diversity of talent on that roster, so much depth. And if you're Carson or Brock or Gunner or whoever is behind center, it must just feel like you have a myriad of options that you can trust and throw to. Yeah. That, and that's always something that's used against us in recruiting because we don't put up big numbers in, as wide, in the wide receiver room. But the wealth is there. You're going to get a lot of development because you're going to get taught the route trees. You're not going to have just slants, goes, stuff like that. You're going to be able to develop as a route runner. You're going to be a hell of a blocker when you leave Georgia, which is always valuable in the NFL. And you're going to get opportunities to make plays no matter where you are on the depth chart. Do you feel like this is one of the questions we asked in the lead up to the season about would Carson's mobility or what we perceive to be a lack thereof kind of affect the offensive product. And I think for me, man, that's probably been one of the biggest surprises of the season thus far on offense is he is way more mobile and way more prone to scamper and get some yards and make something out of nothing than I anticipated him being. I mean, I know he's a good athlete and all those things. I don't think we ever try to discount that, but he just seems a lot more fleet of foot than I anticipated him being. And I think it's going to allow them some flexibility in some situations because you got to honor that. So you can't just say, okay, look, we're, we're not going to have any type of guy dedicated to the quarterback. We'll just roll off and use that guy somewhere else. I think somebody's going to have to man him and look out for him. Obviously, mishap on Saturday a little bit with the carrying the ball like a loaf of bread and it getting popped out. But even that I thought was just pretty good 
helmet on ball contact by the defender. So, yeah, I mean, is that something that... I think Carson's mobility, like I said in the be- in our preview episode, isn't is undersold. I feel like that Carson is a good enough athlete to make some plays with his feet, and he has to be respected. It's just I'm not sure when the pocket breaks down completely how he's going to react because we haven't really seen it yet. Is he going to completely crumble and just fall and let the sack hit him, or is he going to be able to get out of that a la Stetson against Oregon? Or is he going to be able to pop out of that and make something out of nothing? That's what I'm not so sure about. I can't remember what game it was. It might even have been a couple of seasons ago, but he like looked clunky running. He wasn't very fleet of foot, and he kind of stumbled around when he was running. And he ran forward, and he got like a four-yard run. But it's like he kind of looked like, I don't know, Peyton Manning running back there. He doesn't look like that anymore. He looks much more fluid when he's running, and like he's something he, that he's worked on. Um so I'm not nearly as concerned about him running the ball, and it is something that has to be respected. So we'll see, though, once we actually face a team, a, a defensive line with a pulse, once he actually has pressure in his face, how he reacts to that. Yeah, so speaking of that, let's talk about the O-line. Uh, you and I have texted about this offline, and we talked about it a little bit last week. I, for me, hasn't been a ton of issues in pass pro, right? I don't think there's been problems there. Carson has not seemed like he's been up against it when it comes to having time to throw where he wants to throw. But I have felt like there hasn't been a ton of forward push in the run game. And some of that is, and I think this is every year, that is such a a unit of cohesion. And I think they have to figure each other out and play together with these live reps as the season progresses. So I have great faith that it's going to continue to get better. But thus far, I would say the interior line play in the run game has been underwhelming. Yay or nay on that? That's exactly what I texted you. I feel like we've had this conversation since Tate got hurt against Clemson. The guard play has been less than desirable is the best way I can put it. It's been underwhelming. And it may be by design because we're trying to figure out what what works against lesser opponents. But... I just feel like that until we line up man-on-man, which is where our strength is because our offensive line is so much stronger than the other opponents, and we just try to maul people, which I feel like is what we're best suited for, we're not going to – we're going to continue to see – we're going to talk about this every week because when we try to do these zone concepts or when we try to do these like pulls and stuff like that, like I don't feel like our offensive line is designed to do that. And I don't feel like it was in 21, and I don't feel like it was last year either. And we, I go back, we there, we have the receipts. We've talked about it over and over and over again with our guard put with the guards. Once we line up and just go man on man, we are much more productive. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I feel like when they just decide to go hat on hat, and we just want to bulldoze you down the field, they're they're unrivaled. But. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and and this, again, this may be like an overreaction thing. To your point, I don't know that it does look much different than the past couple of years. And the rushing numbers through the first two games of the season would bear that out. I think they were at 259 rushing yards through two games last year, and it's like 258 this year. So obviously the product hasn't changed that much. That was the other thing I was going to say. Carson has another very quiet, almost 300-yard day. Um, again, I it is hard to evaluate whether or not they are on task or not, just because how the opponents have been 
these first two weeks, but I do feel good about where everything sits. And I think I also feel good because of a lot of the comments that Kirby's made. Like, I feel like he's got the best pulse of all of it. And I just feel like after both games, he hasn't been worried one way or the other. They seem to be kind of on par with what his expectation was. So, and obviously always room to get better and they're going to keep doing that. But I don't think there's any alarm sounding from inside the building, which, which makes me feel good. So, so yeah, all right, uh, early thoughts, and then we'll talk about week two and, and the rest of the college football slate, but early thoughts on the matchup with SC. I thought I saw an early line on it was like 24 and a half. I mean, you feel good about them covering that, or does that number make you a little nervous? Where you sit on that? As long as Spencer Rattler is the quarterback, I feel perfectly fine with that number. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I that's the thing I try to base all of my assumptions on as it pertains to this version of the Georgia Bulldogs is that defense is that defense and it ain't going nowhere. And that defense is deep. And as those younger guys get more reps, um, they're just going to get more dynamic and get better. I thought Marvin Jones flashed a bunch yesterday. How about him? I thought he looked really good yesterday. Thought he looked really good. I mean, he was my preseason, um, pick for sack leader. Don't think he's going to get that, but he's the one who I expected to see the most improvement out of this year. Um, and I still expect that. I expect him to flash a lot. Yeah, another one we should have talked about last week that I forgot to bring up and I was almost going to forget this week, but we have to talk about him. Dude, and this is just on me, I guess, from not seeing him enough, but homie, CJ Smith is fixing to be a dude. Yeah. Like, he is built like a Sunday talent, and he can run. I mean, every time I see him on screen, I'm like, it, it's in my brain. It's like, who is that guy? I'm like, oh, that's CJ Smith. Like, dude, he's just one of those yeah. guys you just can't kind of keep your eyes off of when you see him making plays. Like, dude, he, he is going to make some big plays. And then the exciting thing is because of his age, like, <laughs> dude, he's going to stay in the, in the rotation here. So he's one I've got some eyes on as this, this season continues to progress. So, yeah, it, yeah, he's, he fires me up a bunch. So I'm not quite to the Arian Smith level of excitement with him yet, but I could get real behind <laughs> the Smith & Smith law firm, taking everybody deep. So, yeah, I would love to see that materialize. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about uh, week two. So, dude, we texted offline about this, but doesn't it feel like thus far that this season could just be super topsy-turvy? I mean – Austin P gave Tennessee all they wanted yesterday. And just mark those as words I did not anticipate coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was in let's not forget it wasn't just Austin P. Mizzou struggled. Um they were favored by 21. Kentucky not that impressive against I think it was Eastern Kentucky. The SEC has not looked very good so far. Cal it has not. Uh, what, what was it, 14-10 against Auburn? 14 um, 10. It was yes. just. I mean, we, I, I picked Cal on that one. Like, that was, a, like Chris said at best in our preview game in that one. That was a sleepy game. Thought Auburn yep. would win, but it was just, yep. like, just didn't see that one. Like, plus, we really, really don't know what Auburn is yet with he, Freeze his first year there. I'm not really sold on Peyton Thorne in that offense. Like Peyton's more of a traditional drop back passer. Freeze needs someone with a little bit more mobility. I will say though, man, the least impressive performance, um, even though they covered Ole Miss against Tulane. Cool. Yeah. Tulane's starter 
was announced was was announced out at, with an injury literally five minutes before the game, and they needed a comeback and like a defensive stand and a pick six at the end of the game. Like that score is not indicative of how that game went. I watched that entire game because it was just a fun game, and I like Kiffin and I like yeah. Tulane, and that Tulane had their chances. Not saying they that Tulane lost and then Ole Miss and went. Ole Miss deserved to win the game, but. It was much more competitive than that 17-point score. Much more competitive, man. That game was in doubt super late, and I did love that there was a fat man fantasy at the end of the game. We had a little scoop and score, and our boy our boy was rocking, like, no gloves and no swag, too, which I respect on that. Like, I, I dug that a bunch. He was just straight bare hands, taking it to the house, loved every minute of that piece of it. Also, we are not going to talk about that game and not highlight that that could be the cleanest uniform game all year long. Oh, yeah. Like Ole Miss in those frosty all-whites, and then Tulane with the powder blues. Woo! Long, man. Both the uniform sets were fire, so that was clean, man. Oh, and we can talk outside of the SEC, too. I mean, Oregon had all they wanted against Texas Tech, who lost to Wyoming in Week 1. Yeah. I watched the end of that game, and... Let's not talk. Let's not forget. Like I said in our preview show in the beginning, uh, Wisconsin. I said Wisconsin was a year away with Fickles guys. I watched the end of that game too. Washington State. You know the the one of the last remaining members of the Pac-12 uh, beating Wisconsin. Are going to it was in Wazoo, yeah. but you know I didn't see that coming. I mean Washington State still not that good a football team. Yeah, good for them though, man. Like I was I was happy for them to get that win. I loved that their coach post game got yeah. to come out and say we belong in the Power Five. Like. Hell yeah, man. Good for y'all. Like, I, I love that. A lot of, lot of fun games, man. Colorado, I'm telling you, brother. I am Team Prime. I mean, I've been Team Prime, but I am all on board. Like, and he is, culturally, it's something different. Like, <laughs> homie, Wu-Tang Clang was at the game yesterday. Like, I just, that was awesome. Uh, Playmaker was at the game. Um, Shannon Sharp was at the game. T.O. was at the game. Like, it's just there's so much hype and energy around that program. I think game day and big noon kickoff are going there on Saturday for the Colorado State game, which is – dude, it's 10 o'clock kick. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude, that's cool. I, I just – I love that man. Shadur looked good again. Travis Hunter played 120 snaps again. Like, if these two guys are not the front runners for the Heisman right now, then you are not watching the same football that I'm watching. Like, first kid in Colorado history to throw for 900 yards through two games. I mean, dude, yeah. I, they are they are exciting. And their playmakers are exciting. So they are must-watch TV for me. And y'all can just put this on the board now. They're going to be on me and James' pick list every week. Like, Colorado's playing, they're going to be on the pick list. <laughs> and we will probably pick them. <laughs> they are fun to watch. I, I will give it. I, I'm just not sold on the defense yet. That's... Let's see if they, they gave up a ton of points to TCU. Well, yeah. Let's see them play a team. Let's see them play a defense with an, a team that's offensively and defensively sound. And then we'll see what happens. They're the story of the season so far. They're entertaining as hell, but I want to see them play a team that's offensively and defensively sound, which they may not play in the Pac 12. Let's be honest. May not, homie. I will say, though, I cannot wait for that Oregon game. Like, I yeah. am. That will be bookmarked. Bookmarked must-see TV for me. I yeah. cannot wait for that ball game. I think that'll be so much fun. Um, what was another one I wanted to talk to you about from yesterday? Oh, how about freaking Carolina and App State, dude? 
Another again, one. again. That's two seasons in a row. What have they combined for? Like a hundred and seven? Oh no, hundred and forty points in two seasons? Or two? Yeah, the past two seasons or something like that. Something ridiculous. That's crazy. Those two games. Yeah, dude. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Carolina closed in that game as like a nineteen and a half point favorite. We picked it at eighteen and a half, and I think it closed at nineteen and a half. So obviously, there was a ton of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> flowing that way, and like. App State gave them all they wanted, man. And I guess some of that's probably let down, right? Because they played so well against South Carolina. And then everybody's kind of talking about them and being real and all this stuff. But, yeah, man, I thought Mac Brown said it best. Like, I'm glad we don't have to play them no more. <laughs> he said, I would encourage NC State and East Carolina to play them, though. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that was a, I saw the end of that. That was fun. Let's stay in the state of North Carolina. I... I picked him and I shouldn't have picked him because I'm an idiot. I should always stay with my boy from Oceanside, Sam Hartman. But, <laughs> and I, I think NC State, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, like I just don't know if Dave Doran's NC State is ever going to be what people think it's going to be or want it to be. But I want to give credit where credit's due. That was still a true road game with adverse conditions where you had a delayed start. You start the game. There's an hour and a half delay after that. Notre Dame looked real yesterday, man. And that defense looks real. And I think they are going to give Ohio State all they want. I think they're going to give USC all they want. And it just seems to me, like whether it was at Wake Forest or whether it's now at Notre Dame, guys like Sam Hartman. They like to play for him. They fall in line. And he just seems like a guy that, dude, he's just a winner, man. He just seems like good vibes and a guy that um, kids want to play with and play for. And so they have become a really, really interesting squad for me. And Let's give credit where credit's due. I'm pretty sure my boy rattled them off as his number one most compelling team to watch in the preseason previews, no? Yes, I did. And I'm the only one who picked them this week, too. So, Yeah, so, dude, great, great call on your side. You did, yeah. Yeah, so, man, props to you on that. You've been nailed, I mean, just nailing the head on that one so far. So, I, they're a lot of fun. I, I can't wait for that Ohio State matchup. Dude, that's late, that's late that week of the 23rd. It's going to be a lot oh, of yeah. fun, man. Because that's working in Colorado, too, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's going to be that's going to be a ton of fun, man. And then we get to sit back because we're playing UAB. So we'll, we'll have a nice time with Sam Hunt's alma mater. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that that's, that's not the Auburn week, that that's the UAB week, because we can just kind of relax and enjoy other teams play. We don't have to stress about our game too much. Yeah, and how about your, your alma mater? The boys having a comeback win over – uh, over top, over Thomas Jefferson's university, big win for the Dukes. Yeah, that was crazy because they they were up ten, then down eleven. Then there's a big delay. They were down eleven twice actually. Came back both times. Um, then they had a two, they had an hour and forty minute delay due to the lightning yeah. uh, and the storm. Came back, scored uh, twelve in the fourth uh, to win by one. So that was crazy. I mean. I didn't expect, after UVA's uh, performance against Tennessee, I didn't expect UVA to do much. But it was the first home game after the tragedy. I should have expected more out of UVA in that game. How about let's take it down to Coral Gables. We all picked this one wrong on the show. A&M goes in there, and their defense gets absolutely shredded all afternoon by Miami. And I thought the big story of it, man, Mario Cristobal's defense looked just fine yesterday. I mean, that was... That game was a big, big surprise for me. I was just – that whole game surprised me. I could not believe 
Texas A&M after had their offense finally having a pulse and everybody talking about, you know, Petrino and blah, 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 blah. They're finally going to, you know, look different. Um, Jimbo giving up the play calling and stuff. And then they come out and just lay an absolute egg against Miami and Miami I don't know. Is this Miami looking good or is it a product of who they're playing? Like, I don't know what to think out of this. That's the Miami we expected to see last year. So I don't really know what to expect. I don't know what to think. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about Miami is the way their schedule shapes up, they should easily be 5-0 and going into their back-to-back matchups with North Carolina and Clemson. So, they then become a story, I think. And like it is most places, man, I think it's about quarterback play. And who's the kid who plays quarterback? Tyler Van Dyke. That's the kid's name, right? Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. He looked good yesterday. He looked confident. He looked in control. Uh, I will say this, man. Dude, Connor Wegman at Texas A&M, good player. I thought he played good ball game yesterday. They just couldn't stop a nosebleed, man. Like, that defense got shredded all day long. And, whew, I'm going to tell you something, man. That, that oil money down in Aggie Land cannot be happy with how things have been going and are going with Jimbo Fisher sitting in the cockpit. So, yeah, man. I Yeah. Not not great. Not great for them. I don't know. What other games yesterday piqued your interest? I, you brought up the Wisconsin-Washington State game. That was that was one that surprised me. Um, I was Iowa covered yesterday. I feel like that's always an upset. <laughs> and they hit the under. That was which you also picked. And they hit the under. That was my favorite part of it. It was like it, I think the under finished at 34 and a half, which is just crazy. It started at 36 and a half, finished by when we picked it was 35 and a half, finished at 34 and a half and they still hit the under. Five, the under was 30. They finished with 33 total points. That team is just an absolute dumpster fire on offense but they scored 20 they've scored 20 points back-to-back weeks how many times has that happened in the past two seasons so i don't think it happened at all last year dude dude speaking of them i cannot believe we didn't talk about this last week but how about the ricochet shot that Dabo took at brian oh my God. last week in the postgame <laughs> press conference i mean all-time ricochet shot dude like ooh, that's tough I don't know. And then in the first half, Clemson kind of looked like a Brian Ferentz offense in the first half against Charleston Southern. So it's like, Debo, you should really just stop talking. Yeah, tough look, man. Oh, speaking of that, speaking of coaches saying stuff, I love, 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 and we're going back to Colorado, but I loved Shadur's post-game press conference yesterday and him talking about breaking up Nebraska, standing on the Buffalo, and then talking about how – he wouldn't even mention his name. He just said, their coach disrespected my dad all offseason long and now wants to be nice. He got, I got no respect for that. I just, I loved it, man. Like, they just got some swagger about them that I am here for all day long. And, uh, yeah, this dude, Matt Rule was very out there about how he felt about what Dion was doing at Colorado. And so, yeah. Also, Tell me you saw them in the locker room with the 98-year-old superfan. Oh, yeah. That was spectacular. Awesome. Boy, did I love that. Yeah. So good, man. College football is the best in so, so many ways. What else? I mean, did USC dump truck Stanford? I don't think that was yeah. a big surprise. No, not at all. That wasn't a big surprise at all. 
You think you think the Heisman? You think it's Caleb's to lose still, or do you think with what Shadur and Travis Hunter are doing in Colorado, like it's legitimately wide open? Right now, I think it's wide open. If Colorado continues to win and starts winning top twenty-five games, and I think and I think it's going to be Shador because he's the quarterback and he keeps putting up these crazy stats. Yeah. But the issue is, is that Travis actually hurts Shador's chances because he's going to take votes away. That's where the problem's going to lie with yeah. that. Um, Colorado being, you know. It's always hard for West Coast teams because they don't get as much exposure, but Colorado's getting all the exposure early on right now. And if they keep this up, they're going to continue to get the exposure. Yep. Caleb, he's just continuing to truck along, doing what he's doing. But eventually USC's going to stumble because the defense is just it's still the same defense. You know, they brought in a bunch of transfers, but they're still doing the yep. same stuff. Now, granted, they did it the last two yep. weeks against, I can't remember who they played last week, they beat them like 66-3 to three or something. This week, Nothing against Stanford, but they gave up a ton of points to San Jose State. San Jose State pretty much moved the ball at will against them. This year, they haven't had to rely on the turnover as much, but they haven't played an offense with a pulse yet, other than San Jose State. So it's only a matter of time before their defense does the same stuff it did last year. Yeah, I will say this for me, and you're right. Because of the position that he plays, I think the lights on Shadur will be brighter as it pertains to the Heisman conversation, but... Homie, it cannot be discounted what Travis Hunter has done through the first two weeks. We're talking huge game last week catching the football. He had another 70 yards yesterday catching the football. He's playing 120-plus snaps per game. He is playing a position of premier importance on defense at corner. And I think even if he does something like five, six interceptions, but also puts up close to 1,000 yards on offense – I mean, in what sane world is he not the most valuable player in all of college football, right? Like, he's literally affecting the game on both sides of the ball. I agree. I completely agree with you. That's not something I disagree with. I'm just saying, you know, if it was my vote and those are the stat lines, that's what I'm doing. But, you know, that's not what the majority of voters look at. This has become a quarterback award, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he'll look- get invited. I think he'll get invited to New York. Yeah, he's going to have to have some signature moments, I think. You know, even with somebody like, say, Desmond or Charles Woodson or whoever it is, right? Somebody who's not as – or even like a Devontae Smith. You've got to have some some Heisman moments that are like these signature plays that get played on loop over yeah. and over and over. And I will say, man, the pick against TCU near the goal line week one is one of those type plays. Uh, but he's he's going to have to have a bunch of those just because, to your point, he ain't the quarterback. And so, but for me, man, he, through two weeks of the season, is the undoubted Heisman in my mind. Because what he's doing is, it's insane. Dude, this, we're talking Power 5 football. Like, TCU, Nebraska, and he's playing 120-plus snaps a game and doing it at a very high level. Like, it's it's unreal. It's it's. I almost tweeted this last week, and then I thought people would, like, say the hyperbole is ridiculous, but... In a lot of ways, he is college football Shohei Otani right now. He is doing things that nobody has done. And I know people have mentioned different people's names. They've said Charles Woodson and all those names. And that's fine. And like Champ Bailey, dude, Charles wasn't playing that many snaps on offense. He wasn't one of the primary targets on offense. Like It's just 
it's not apples to apples what, yeah. what they have him doing. So it's a different conversation, man. I, that's what I mean. It is it is Shohei Otani. He is the featured guy on both sides of the ball. So yeah, it's incredible. It's been so much fun and just to do we're I, let's say two and a half. We had week zero, but let's say we're two and a half weeks into the season. And it's already been a blast. It's always a blast. But I just think there's a ton of cool storylines right now. A ton of cool things going on. Um, how compelling now is the SEC West? Brother, it feels wide open. Because, man, we talked about it a little bit, but like Alabama is not what everybody said they were going to be all offseason. They are not this road grader offensive line that's going to control the line of scrimmage and run at will and blah, blah, blah. And look, man, I I love Jalen Milrow. I think the talent is through the roof. But he is so turnover prone. Like he made six or seven plays last night where you go, oh, like he's he's that dude. But then he has the turnovers, and it's like, well, he's also that dude. <laughs> so that's problematic in a Nick Saban yeah. program. And I wonder how much longer that rope will last. Um, and I just, I mean, I, I still am not past LSU's performance against Florida State. They just seem like, whew, not great. Paper paper tiger-ish to me. And so that West, I think, is real interesting. Real interesting. And let's not forget, the other teams in the West, Arkansas looked terrible yesterday against a mediocre opponent, opponent that they were favored by like 38 against. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Tulsa. Yeah. It might have been Tulsa. Yep. I don't know. They were favored by a ton, and they did not look great. Um, the the SEC West is completely is more wide open than any other year I can remember in recent memory. Yeah. Um, I, I I really don't know what to think at this point. I, I really don't. They both LSU and Alabama have both played out of conference opponents, and they both have not looked good against those out of conference opponents. It's not like they lost like a last second play or anything like that. I don't feel like even when Alabama went up after the Jermaine Burton touchdown, I never felt like Alabama was in control of that game. There was no point in the LSU FSU game where I felt like LSU was in control of the game. So, which is just unheard of in out of conference games for these, for these teams when you're expecting big things from these programs. Um, Alabama, I can't remember the last time I felt that way. LSU, we felt that way, you know, at the end of Edo's tenure and stuff like that. But before that stuff, it's just, we didn't expect that type of stuff. So I don't really know how, what to expect going forward with the SEC West. And when we get into league play, you know, then they're just beating up on each other. So it's like, who are they really? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what could end up happening. I think you could very easily have a two loss in conference team coming from the West to Atlanta. I just, I, I think there could be a ton of parity on that side of the conference. And I think the one that's interesting here is Ole Miss. I think they're really lurking because as tight as that ball game was yesterday, look, man, Willie Fritz is building something nice there at Tulane. So that's a good football team. They are going to win a lot of football games. They're probably going to win the American. And so I'm not trying to discount that. It was on their home field. Uh, dude, Jackson Dart, I thought looked good. And he, he offers a lot of different options on offense. I Lane's problem has always been Lane's problem, right? Is Lane going to be able to get out of his own way in games that matter? And let's just say TBD on that. We don't know yet. But th- they are interesting 
to me because I do think that defense is fun too. They they were moving around well yesterday, made some big plays, made some dynamic plays. So they're fascinating. Man, Arkansas, I don't know. I didn't love the switch on offense to a more pro-style system given what KJ can be and given how dynamic he can be. So I'm jury still way, way out on that for me. But yeah, that, that division could be, could be real wild. And yeah, man, I just, the East also, even with Georgia feeling a little bit uncertain in certain spots, are we really that nervous about a Joe Milton led Tennessee? I think that's been the question for me all off season with them. And the answer for me is, no, I am not. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, Joe Milton is what Jalen Milrow is, which is he will make some plays where you go, oh, yeah, he is him. But then he's going to make five or six others where you go, oh, yeah, he's also him. And so I don't know, man. I just I don't know. I, Tennessee is not daunting to me in, in that arena. So, yeah, I, the East feels a lot more secure, I think, two weeks in than I would have felt two weeks ago, if that makes any sense. No, I agree. I, I don't. Nobody scares you, and that's what we kept talking about the past two seasons. What team scares? Yeah, and Tennessee at home was really it, and now it's like, meh. Are we really sure that that's still? Now, granted, Tennessee could still become yeah. that. You know, they've got seven games, eight games before we play them. Tennessee could still become that, but as of today. What is today? September 10th. It, I don't feel that way. So, But that can always change. Well, that's all I got, homie. That's all I got for this week. I feel like we covered a bunch of stuff. It was a super fun week. I am beyond fired up about the SEC opener next week against South Carolina just because I think it's the first real measuring stick game. So we're going to get some more answers. I also love that we're finally going to get like a – quasi prime time-ish game where we're on CBS and the bright lights and all the, the fixings that come with it. So yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fired up about that. and can't wait to see what happens. So we will have a preview show for the SC game coming up this week. And uh, until then, as we always end it here, go dogs, stick them. Go dogs. Two dogs car flags whipping in the wind Sun's coming up, party's about to begin The classic city is dressed to the nines All the tents are full, Weber smoking that swine Popping tops on the tack the day We tailgate harder than your team plays the 30 kick college game day is here This is our time, this is our year In the fall each year we all congregate The bath dogs gathered at the church of tailgate The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, oppression Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in Athens Downtown is calling Mags as the first stop. Shoot a game of pool and 
take some Jaeger shots Swing by bourbon and share a fishbowl Georgia Theater rooftop view is good for the soul Walking through North Campus A little bit tipsy Hit the million dollar steps Get that feel, it's game day In the fall each year we all congregate The bath dog gathered at the church hotel gate The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia fans Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends A Saturday in that dance Coats are coming, but this ain't no Paul Revere. Lone trumpet battle, him dog nation is here. Before you, heroes embrace the field. Legends in red and black, now's no time to yield. Bob O'Reilly, crowd getting rowdy. Glory, glory to old Georgia, better clear the track. This machine is leaning, meaning painted red and black. Krypton blast, cell phones in the air, the sky is filled with light. Thought y'all were Superman, these hedges are your kryptonite. Dogs on top, crowd won't stop the faithful cheer and yell. Go forth, you hairy dogs, and ring that victory. Rebel. In the fall each year we all congregate The bath dog gathered at the church of tailgate The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia fans Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing. 